Hello and welcome to Better Than The Movie. I am Jeanette, she is Tamika, and we are here talking books. How are you today, my friend? Oh, chilling, just chilling. How about you? Uh, yeah. Thanks for asking. Alright, <laughs> I've been like Carl Thomas all day. Emotional. Yeah. I know things. <laughs> I... Girl, I have had a week. <laughs> What's today? Tuesday? Yeah, I was going to say, it's Tuesday. Girl, just didn't want to be at work today because the weather got bad. And it was one of those things where I'm just tired of having to ask. Like, not ask, but, like, we have a pretty loose policy about being able to work from home. And it's mm-hmm. usually all good. And today, for whatever reason, they were just like, we have to wait for so-and-so to close the offices. And we're like, okay, well, we're going to go home. So, because <laughs> people are spinning out and crashing. And it was just, I was just annoyed. I'm just generally annoyed. And, you know, it's time, like, commencement pre-planning. And people just get real, like, panicky. Um, what are other things that are happening? Oh, I finally got a, what you call it, on Twitter. Egg. Well, not finally. <laughs> this is probably my second or third egg. Oh boy. Eggs and American flags. Eggs, dogs. <laughs> and dogs, yeah. American flags, yes. And so I had to deal with one of those people. You know, I just want people to know that <clears throat> you can log off sometimes. <laughs> like. <laughs> I know, and like I'm not even trying to be funny, but I know that like social media, I'm not one of those people that's like it's just Twitter. I've met some great people through Twitter. We wouldn't have this podcast if it wasn't for Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. People get job opportunities and marriages and great things happen, but some people are just it's like some sort of um, I can tell it's very much an escape. Like, have you ever met somebody that plays Second Life <laughs> and they like do you know what Second Life is? I do. I saw actually, I think it was like a true life. <laughs> think about second life right um, and how people and, use that as like because it's like an rpg game right and they like use right. it to escape. and they, they have their own personality and their own life and they have there's currency and it's like a thing and i was watching a documentary once that people like met on second life and got together had a baby but they were like in different countries and they just kind of lost sight of all the logistics about having a relationship oh, wow caught up in second life and they ended up I don't remember how it goes. Anyway, I feel like for some people, Twitter is that like you can go online and it's been, this has been, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when the internet was not a thing. And I think that people just sometimes, I mean, just from the beginning, it's just a place to like create your own world and people lose their goddamn minds sometimes. Um, anyway, that was my mini rant about internet personalities. <laughs> I just want everybody to just, you know, sometimes log off and take a take a breather. You know? It's so necessary <laughs> for your sanity. It will be there when you get back. <laughs> you know? So anyway, we have a very fun episode today. Yeah, speaking of the internet, tell the people where they can find us on the interwebs. You can find us on Facebook.com slash better than the movie. We are also at Twitter at better than TM. You can find us. Oh, you can email us. I'm not going all out of order. You can email us at betterthanthemovie at gmail.com. Uh, we really appreciate 
those emails. Um, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, and you don't feel like typing or you're not able, you can always leave us a Google Voice number at 210-816-2886. Did I get them all? I believe you did. I did. Okay, so here's the here's the gag. Here's the tea. Tea time. Ooh, maybe instead of calling it lit news, we can call it tea time. I'm with it. Let's go. But then I also like lit news because it's like because it's lit. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes this music. Sometimes this news is not so lit, like this first story. So we have been actively not <laughs> actively avoiding this. <laughs> conversation because we thought it was so goddamn ridiculous but let's go ahead and talk about these slave kid books <laughs> yeah. so um yeah um i think it was nikia who asked us uh zora tony maya who asked us to uh weigh in on our thoughts about this and so okay so there's two of them now right there's the first one the a fine dessert that came out um i want to say like mid last year that showed slaves happily baking away for their massa. And then there is this new one, like happy birthday, Mr. President or some shit. What's it called? Happy birthday. Oh, a birthday cake for George Washington. Okay. I was all <laughs> My bad. Um, mm-hmm. And like a fine dessert, it focuses on slaves making a cake for their master. Um, but in this article um, from which we are getting our references, it says, A birthday cake for George Washington's narrative focuses more on the making of a dessert than the institution of slavery. Okay. Can you feel the eye roll? Because it's still happening. Did you hear the deep sigh? Like, what the... It's kind of like saying... (laughs) um, I don't know. Like, you have this huge, you know, human rights tragedy... I don't even know if that's even a appropriate descriptor of slavery, but you have this period in our history, a long period of our history, and you depict it in the kids' book, but you're like, it's cool, because we're talking about the cake. Like, I don't get it. As if George Washington just had regular-ass workers and all of his workers weren't slaves. Okay. Like, you can't say that you're just focused on the goddamn cake when the people who are making the cake are bound and they do not have their freedom like what the okay so let's back up a little bit because i do you do know that white people um white people you know some i've heard this before and we have all probably heard it before with white folks that'll say things like um well it wasn't all man they got housing (laughs) or some of their some of the slaves really like their masters yeah it's kind of the same like people have to understand, and I don't. We don't have to go into a huge thing because I feel like our audience <laughs> understands. Mm-hmm. But the frustration, you know, for me comes with the idea that we think because, or it, this is being framed, that because they're kids, we need to put. We're going to teach, talk about slavery, but not really talk about it. You know, so you're kind of sugarcoating what it was in order to make it a children's book. And I just kind of feel like if you're going to make a book for children and include slavery, just go for it. Go for it. 
it's okay. Kids are watching movies now. <laughs> like, have you ever seen Big Six, Big Hero Six? Mm-mm. Like, it's a sad movie. There's a lot of death and um, violent death in these in this movie, and so. Um, Kids are able to handle this. I'll take it back for, you know, the Lion King. Like, kids can handle sad things. They can handle tragedy. There's a way to talk about slavery and how terrible it is and make it age-appropriate without having to sugarcoat it. And I think it's interesting that both of these are kind of surrounding uh, dessert-making or treats, you know, something Mm -hmm. that kind of appeals to kids as opposed to, like, um, cotton-picking or house-cleaning or whatever because – because I feel like if this is not like this is another book that's not for us. This is another piece of work that's not for us. This is for white people. You know, this is for white people who may want to talk to their kids about slavery or be interested in 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 uh, kind of bridging that conversation. And they're using these as tools. I don't know any black parents. I can't think of a one that would pick up either of these books to teach their kids about slavery. And who gives a fuck about the cake making process? You know what I mean? Like there are yeah. other books about me and my dad got together and cooked something. So I just don't understand what they were hoping to accomplish here. I don't get it. And then like with the birthday cake for George Washington, she talks about the pride, um, the authors and the people, the black lady, they got to speak out on this. Um, We talk about the, you know, how proud this, this uh, chef was. What was his name? Hercules. Hercules. Hercules was to, um, to cook for George Washington and run this kitchen. Well, first of all, um, George Washington <laughs> was a terrible, I mean, all slavers were terrible, but he and his wife were the worst, or some of the worst, because they created, there were these laws about putting slaves, or taking slaves to free states, and if you take them to a free state, then within six months, or after six months, you have to free them, and how they got around it was by threatening to take them back mm-hmm. to, the south, to the south, effectively resetting the clock. Um. And then it says even in the notes that we heard, the story that we have here, um, Hercules ran away <laughs> so and left this little girl when he ran away. So you put that in the notes for the parents, but you don't put that in the book. Right. And it's like, what are you, why would you lie to kids about what slavery, I just, I don't understand. I like, don't there understand was, the point of revisionist history yeah. and a it's sanitization like, of, like, I don't, like, like you said, children can handle um, sad things. Children, I think that people um, underestimate what kids can handle and at what ages. Um, and that's just speaking from interactions I've had with kids who have faced very tragic circumstances at young ages. Uh, so for them to think that, I don't, I don't know. I See, so here's our whole thing with this. And this is kind of what this article gets at or whatever. Because mm-hmm. it's two books by two different sets of people. The fine dessert people are white. The George Washington people, I think um, one was black and one was like Iranian. Mm-hmm. And so um, in this article it says that a white creative team and a creative team of color, each working separately, came up with two books so similar in so many ways proves only one thing. Intelligent people can disagree. Mm. I don't get the last line. I don't understand it because if they came up with two books that are incredibly (laughs) similar then where's the disagreement but nevertheless um it's interesting because the george washington book um scholastic has recalled it 
They did. A fine dessert is still in print. They did. It is. And it was um, a lot of uh, public outcry. Some people were really pissed that they did, though. Um, that they did, that they recall it. There were people, of course, there's always people in the comment section, but there were people that were like, why are you always, why do they give in so much to this? But you have to understand, and somebody, this is not my um, thought, it was someone maybe on Twitter, or maybe I read it somewhere, that they said, okay, we're talking about this book in conversation, the birthday cake for George Washington book in conversation with a a person or a friend or someone who was uh, who's Jewish and said, okay, well, let's talk about the happy parts of um, the Holocaust. Where were, where was the joy there? Like, would you read your children a book about happy times <laughs> during the Holocaust? Like, you wouldn't. Even the book, movie, um, <clears throat> even the movie um, Life is Beautiful uh, is about a man who and I don't know if it's based on the book, it might be, about a man, it's a true story um, of a man who was kind of like a, I don't know, I don't remember if he was a professional comedian, but he did something along those lines, and he used comedy and storytelling to um, kind of bring some comic relief to, some relief to his son, you know, so he hid a lot of things from his son, mm. and um, not hid a lot, but used his ability to tell stories and come, you know, as a escape for his his young son. Uh -huh. So, but he was that story was able to be told in this way that says, yeah, you see the little boy laughing because his dad is funny, or he's telling him a story to kind of take his mind off of what's happening or whatever, and it's funny, and those are you know joyful times, a little bit of joy that can be found there, but they didn't erase the Holocaust. Right. Like, if you haven't seen the movie, spoiler alert, but the dad is eventually taken to the gas chambers, and even as he's leaving, the boy's very little, and even as he's leaving, he's doing kind of an imitation of a duck walking just to keep the boy laughing, and it's very mm -hmm. sad, and makes you cry, whatever. But it never, it's able, the story, t you know, finds that joy without erasing what happened, and I think both of these books messed up by erasing what happened. I mean, what was happening at this time? People weren't, they didn't have a damn choice. What do you mean he took pride in his work? Like, <laughs> like did, he have a, did he have the option to be lazy and fuck right. off? <laughs> you know, of course you took pride in the work. It was a life or death situation. <laughs> yeah, it's like if somebody holds a, you know, gun to your head and tells you to clean the car, you're going to polish that bitch within an inch of your life because okay. you don't have a damn choice, you know? So, I don't know. I just feel I, I had avoided this because I kind of felt like how I'm feeling about a lot of things lately. You know, when we talk about diversity, this wasn't for us in the first damn place. This book ain't for us. Black person, you know. Here, let's <laughs> the kids down and read a birthday cake for George Washington. We don't even know George Washington. Nope, sure don't. Or there's a way to tell Hercules' story in, to, in completion in the form of a children's book. Unless if their book don't end with and he ran away, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> don't want to talk about it. Right. Um, so anyway, sorry, I didn't mean. Oh, no, I have been holding fine. all of that in <laughs> about these books for. <laughs> Well, that's fine. I'm glad you let it all out. You pretty much spoke anything I could have ever had to say about them. So you saved me um, some breath for my little rant that we're going to get into later in the show. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Um, 
Next, I want to move to uh, something more um, interesting that both of us are obsessed with, and that's the Hamilton book. Alexander Hamilton. I can't sing, but I think I can when I'm listening to Hamilton. Listen, I sound just like Renee Elise Goldsberry when I'm singing Satisfied. I don't know. You can't tell me. You can't tell me nothing. <laughs> Here's the thing. If you have not gotten into Hamilton yet, get your life. Like, go out to your Apple Music, your Spotify, and get you some. <laughs> <laughs> literally just give the cast album one just give that recording one listen and i promise you'll understand why people are so into it and so what i did was i took your suggestion because i had listened to it a bunch of times but then i was kind of like oh it's great and so i took your suggestion and i read the lyrics and the annotations on genius blew your mind didn't it blew my mind Blew, blew my mind because I listened to it while I was reading it like song for song, you know, kind of, and it was just, it's just amazing. And then and it just makes you appreciate uh, Lin-Manuel Lin Miranda and his work and his, the thought that went into this and, and how the genius. the genius, it's just, there's no other way to describe it. Um, I, it can't, you know, some things are hyped. This cannot be overstated. I feel the same way um, about his fellow MacArthur Grant recipient, uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates, when I read Between the World and Me. It was like, okay, you know, you can say what you want to say about Ta-Nehisi and your critics, whatever, but you can't deny that book is incredible. So same way I felt about, I feel about Hamilton, and we're going to see Hamilton. Um, <laughs> so excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like 87 I, days or some ridiculous shit. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. So excited. Like, I am just like this. I can't even talk about it. Okay, so anyway, uh, Grand Central Publishing is publishing <laughs> a book about Hamilton, um, which uh, Hamilton was actually inspired by a book by Robert Chernow. Chernow? Um, I was going to read that book and I picked it up and I was like, I don't have time for this. It's 800 pages. Yeah, yeah. Who has the time? Just listen to the cast recording. You'll get the essence of it. The gist of it, yeah. I am like still kind of, you know, um, Brief History of Seven Killings took a lot of time <laughs> and a big chunk out of my life. And so I won't be picking up a book over 500 pages for a while, maybe. Quite some but, time, yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, this book is supposed to be um, a companion to the play. And he says uh, that when he, he says, when I fall in love with the musical, I want to know everything about it. I remember Rent changing my life on my 17th birthday and being so grateful for the Rent book. Um, so basically, it's just to take you inside the creation of Hamilton, not just the timeline, but the thought process, historical considerations, artistic decisions that went into the lyrics from beginning to end. He wants us to know it all, and we want to know. I want to know things. So this is about as close as you'll get to <laughs> behind the scenes kind of interviews. You know, if you're one of those people that, like, really get into something when you get into it, you will appreciate um this book, I think, and it is um, 224 pages, so it's not going to be any nonsense. You know how sometimes you get these things, and it's like all pictures. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that he's going to give us that. <sighs> no, Variety actually did like an, um, a peek inside of it, 
mm -hmm. uh, last week because last week um, Alexander Hamilton is like 231 years old or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so for the entire week, um, Variety did uh, a number of pieces about Hamilton. They had cast interviews and all this stuff. And I think um, either the, uh, the final piece or the penultimate piece was about um, the Hamilton book, but I refuse to click it because I don't want to be spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but apparently it's like a really like introspective look into the book and like a little sneak peek or whatever. So Right. I'm ex so excited for this. Like I remember people in like middle school, high school and stuff used to go crazy for like the Les Mis kids and the, mm -hmm. and the Phantom of the Opera people. And like they would be, and I have never really felt like, I was kind of a rent kid. Like, I was kind of into it, but not like this. And so now I'm just like, yeah, I found one, <laughs> you know, yeah. kind of low-key obsessed with. And um, so, yeah, I am excited about this book. I was like, how have we not talked about this coming out? And there's going to be pictures of Leslie Odom Jr. and my personal boo, David <laughs> Diggs. Hold on now. I knew you was going to say that. We can't be sharing boos. Is it David or David? It's David. David. Okay. Because mm -hmm. I was reading a thing, an um, interview with him, and he was saying how his mom is Jewish. It was supposed to be David. His dad is a, a man from Oakland, and he wants <laughs> to be jazzy. And so I was like, is it just that, David? But it's David. Okay. Um, and so it's really, really, I'm just excited. Anthony Ramos. I mean, it's all the cuties are there if you're into that. <laughs> that's if that's what drives you. <laughs> check something out. Um, Lin Manuel Miranda. He is one of those guys. that's like he's not conventionally attractive, but his brain. You know yeah, what I mean? His, his intellect and his creativity. Just like, how you doing, Lin? <laughs> how you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, please check it out. Um, I would. I mean, the the play. I mean, if you can get tickets to the musical, definitely go. If you can't, the soundtrack and the um, book would probably be work really well together. I'm sure it's going to tour forever, and I'm sure. <laughs> and um, they were talking about it going on NBC, which I'm not ready for that yet. Yeah, there's also supposed to be. Um, I think. Sometime later this year, PBS is doing um, like a docu series. Yeah, um, they've been chronicling them from uh, the very beginning. So, yeah, I'm just not ready for it to be like on Yeah, no, I, want, I don't, I don't want it to get like a like a Sound of Music or the Wiz Live type type treatment. You know, yeah, it's not ready yet. Yeah, let it have its space. Yeah, theater. I'm. I'm cool with theater being brought to the TV, especially if you're going to do it like with The Wiz, but like there's no need to like cross the genre. Like theater is special enough, you know, on its own. I get the points about access though, you know. So Yeah. Anyway, I it, but I just feel like it's a thing like that's one of those things that you just have to experience in its element. Yeah, absolutely. So, and so anyway, go cop that. It comes out um April 12th. April 12th. You can pre-order it on your Amazon. It comes in ebook and hard copy with ebook and a hardcover, but I'm definitely would be getting the hardcover. I don't know why. Oh, yeah, I pre-ordered the hardcover. Are we excited? Super we are. excited. Okay. All right. Moving right along. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm gonna backtrack on something. We can talk about this book riot piece. Okay. Because it kind of leads into. Let's do it. A bit of my rant. Okay. So there's this um piece on Book Riot 
um, written by a young lady named Vanessa Willoughby, who is, I think she said she's half black, half Asian. Mm -hmm. um, and she's talking about the dearth of black editors within uh, the literary community, like mm -hmm. book editors. Uh, and she wrote this article and she cites uh, two um, very, uh, who, in my opinion anyway, prolific writers, um, Kiesi Lehman and Saeed Jones. And she talks about how um, Lehman had a really difficult time getting his first book, Long Division, published. Um, and <laughs> the, the first editor that he worked with was actually a black editor who told him basically he needs to make his book less black in order for it to be palatable and sellable. Mm -hmm. And there's an excerpt from an email because um, she uh, quotes an article that uh, Layman wrote for Guernica uh, Lit Mag and it's called You're the Second Person. Um, but she quotes um, an email from that uh, and it says the success of your book will be partially dependent on readers who have a different sens sensibility than your intended audience. As I've already said to you, too many sections of the book feel forced for the purpose of discussion racial politics. Think social media, think comment sections. Those white people buy books too, bro. Readers, especially white readers, are tired of black writers playing the wrong race card. If you're gonna play it, and I think you should play it right. Look at Tarantino. He is about to fool all these people into believing they were watching a black movie with Django. I guarantee you that whiteness will anchor almost every scene. That's one model you should think about. These words are from a black man. Mm -hmm. And the same black man goes on to say that black men don't read and bougie black women love plot. Well, that second part is true. No, go ahead. Sorry. So, no. It, it is. Okay. Um, uh, my issue, though, right? And it's not with the young woman who wrote this article, because everything she said is true. Like, it's ridiculous if you look at mm -hmm. the mastheads of all these major mm -hmm. whatever. Um, but I just thought it was really interesting that this Uncle Tom-ass man told <laughs> Casey Lehman, like, actually, bro, and when a white man, I mean, when a black man says bro, mm -hmm. is that a bro? I get nervous. Um, <laughs> not even gonna lie. Call that my bias, whatever. I don't know. Maybe that's his, uh, that's getting into a whole nother thing. Um, but it's interesting because this wrong race card thing. So what is the right race card then? I'm still trying to figure out what just happened here. <laughs> so he said, "No, bro, you gotta appeal to the white people, bro. Yeah, you gotta play the white race." The <laughs> actually, that was a misspeak, but yeah, the white race card. <laughs> like, okay, so was he telling him if you're going to talk about race, that's fine, but talk to the liberal white people. No. Okay, was he saying <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to talk about race, do it in a way that's palpable to white readers? Yes, do it in a way that's easily digestible. 
or that fools them into believing that they're reading about black people, but it's actually about whiteness. So write a black book or a book about black people, but whiteness is centered. Mm -hmm. So we're thinking, okay. All right. Okay. I can see that. A lot of people write books like that. <laughs> they do. They do. They do. There's a book. There's lots of books where people like the secret life of bees. Is that what we're talking about here? Yes. Okay. That would that would fall in. But that uh, wasn't that wasn't written by a person, a black person. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I'm just but, saying. But yeah, the, but that's the yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. But isn't that where we're going anyway with this, all of this, you know? writing in, in, in media in general, when we have discussions about race, um, we're creating things, uh, when we're creating media about, that are centered around race, I mean, pretty often they're talking, it's centered around whiteness anyway, like, I just feel like people have not, I'm not surprised, I mean, I know you're not surprised either, but this is just kind of like, Par for the course. This is par for the course at this point. Like, yeah, we can talk about race, but centered around whiteness. That's what everybody does now. Am I wrong? That is what people do, which okay. um, leads me into my rant. Let's get um, into it. So, yeah, so because <laughs> I've had a lot of feelings, so many thoughts and opinions and just feelings in the past two weeks. Um, and I've kind of been talking them out with a buddy of mine, uh, but it's just been on my on my on my heart and my soul and my spirit, and I just feel like this is a safe space so I can just really get into it. And so um, I'm gonna go a little bit out of order from what I was talking about in the doc. Um, mm -hmm. So the first thing, so last week, I think it was yeah, it was last week. I asked my timeline a question because I was very interested because I've been seeing a lot of people talk about, oh, we need diverse this, we need diverse that, um, you know, and the people who are quote unquote of color, which put a pin in that because I'm coming back to that, um, who are in the publishing aid industry, they're not really getting the recognition or um, publicity that white authors get, blah, 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 whatever. So this whole push for diversity, right? We need diverse everything whole campaigns and shit. So I asked, you know, what makes a diverse author, author, excuse me, is it the work or is it the, the writer? Because if you are an author of color who only writes books that are starring white people, then are you a diverse author? Because my thoughts and opinions are no, you're not because the marketplace is already oversaturated with books with white protagonists. So I would think that the cry for diversity has less to do with who writes the book and more about what the content is. And a few people pushed back at me um, for that opinion. And I definitely didn't write them off, uh, but I'm not going to sort of, bow out of that either because I feel like the I feel like basically you're a fucking sellout if you're telling me that well I gotta eat so I'm gonna write, the, write these white people because I know that's gonna make me money that's that's bullshit 
Um, one, because there are so many day jobs out here, my G. Obama got unemployment down so much. UPS is always hiring. Like, I don't, you're not going to tell me that writing is the only way that you can make money. Part one. And part two, you're not going to tell me that you writing book starring characters who look like you won't make you any money at all. Because I have a pretty good friend who writes books starring black people and she and her family are doing just fine. I also think that that argument is weak because regardless of how many white people you put in the books, they still got to see a black ass face on the cover. And sometimes that's enough to keep people from picking up your books. I mean, that is enough to keep people from picking up your books, regardless of who's inside. So that's a weak argument to say, I have to write about uh, white folk in order for my book to sell because it's not, it's you. Like it's you, <laughs> it's you. Like I could write, I could have written, um, what's a really like popping book? Hell, I could have written Harry Potter. Harry Potter would not have done the numbers that it did had I wrote it. When they flipped that cover and saw my black face on it, maybe it would have done well, but it wouldn't have done. I wouldn't have got past book one and two because book one and two suck. <laughs> so sorry, but they. I don't want to say suck. They're not that great. So it does It does have to do, I mean, that's a weak argument. You're not going to make any more money than you would anyway. So you might as well write your, write your truth. Exactly. And like, and so in having this conversation, um, it's and, um, a young woman uh, like, saw retweets of my tweets or whatever and we had a little discourse um and she said something to me because she is um she was latina and she said you know i wait oh shoot i had it down but um let's see she says i wrote all white space operas because i thought that was cool um also because i didn't know any better because i thought that there's no mexicans in space and so my issue with that is why did your people fail you? And I, <laughs> that sounds really harsh to say, but I was just brought up with a strong sense of pride in myself and where I came from. And so it isn't, my imagination isn't limited to what I think a black person can do in any work that I may choose to write. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like a lot of people have this, this sort of like limitation um, as to what they think they can write for a particular culture because they don't know how it'll be accepted or viewed by the masses. And I'm just like, yo, like, don't treat, <laughs> don't treat your ethnic group or race or whatever the fuck, however you want to classify it, as if they aren't humans who can do whatever they set their minds to do. Like, I don't really think that that's fair to you as a writer, and it's definitely not fair to your readers. Um, because then you're doubting their intelligence. Like, I don't know. It's, I don't even know how to put this shit well, into words. But it's, it's mad frustrating because I'm just like. You can't, I think that you, you rate, I mean, you're making a great point, but I also think that you have to, you can't underestimate the, um, deeply embedded effects of white supremacy on all persons of color because 
it's just like I was telling somebody the other day when they were talking about the Oscars and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, you know, as a kid, you see it so much, you know, growing up, but you that you start to think that that ain't for us anyway. And a lot of black people have bought into that if it's black, it's not as good. Not because you don't think that, not because you weren't raised to believe that. It's just that if it's if it's what you if it's all around you, you know, it's the same thought press process. And I don't really want to get too deep into movies because that's not what we do or what we're talking about. But mm-hmm. it's the same thought process of saying that the NAACP Image Award is not as prestigious as an Oscar or whatever. It's because you you are told that it wasn't. You don't know yeah. the th- what goes behind um, the decision making for NAACP Image Award, and you don't know if it's any more um, involved than what goes into an Oscar. You don't know anything. Most people don't really know anything about it to say that it's not mm-hmm. as um, it's not as prestigious. It's just that we've been told that for so long that we start to believe it. So for a long time, hell, even as a little girl, you know, and I was raised pretty much the same way you were, but I just thought, you know, if a movie was made with black people that it just wasn't as good. It Somehow maybe they didn't have the money to hire the best actresses or maybe they just didn't, I don't know. And so it took me, you know, well into my adult, adulthood to understand the same way with, Pierce, with that um, example. She didn't realize <laughs> because nobody ever told her that there were Hispanic people in space that there are, in fact, have been Hispanic people in space. But she didn't she didn't under, she didn't know that because space is written as white people land. And it ain't nobody's land. She didn't nobody's realize you know what, when you behind the keyboard or when it, you know that pen is in your hand, you can put whoever in space you want to. And so it takes some time. I mean it takes a lot to get from behind get from behind that. Um and for people, especially black people, I say people of color, but I'm talking to black people to stop centering everything we do around whiteness. And sometimes people don't even realize that they're doing it. Um, And so in that respect, it's kind of like, yeah, it is a matter of that self-hate and not having that sense of black pride or whatever, brown pride, whoever you are, is deep. It's deep. And I think we've underestimated how deep, you know, how deep that runs. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So that was one thing. Yeah. Then a few days later, um, I'm just minding my business on Twitter, tweeting about No Limit Soldiers or some shit. I don't know. Actually, I think I was tweeting about like Silk the Shaka and how do we let him happen. But um, this link comes across my timeline and it is uh, a Kirkus article. um, And this woman is talking about basically... um, how she's decided to dedicate a month to t- dive into diversity. Okay. She says, over at the Read a Romance site, I've invited 31 authors representing a spectrum of nationality, color, ethnicity, religion, culture, and orientation to post on the Joy of Romance, the 2015 thing for Read a Romance Run. I also had a number of diverse authors doing blah, 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 whatever, whatever. So she goes to this whole thing about how she doesn't really read diversely because in her line of work, she reads what is given to her because she has to write about them because that's how she makes her money. And she's not a very fast reader. So as much as she'd love to read more diversely, she just can't because that's not what the people are asking her to read in order for her to get her paycheck. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... (laughs) <laughs> here okay 
So when is it diversity and when is it tokenism? Because I am confused as all the fucks at this point. Because right now, like how we had that article that we read a few years ago talking about, I mean, a few years ago, Jesus, a few weeks ago talking about pandering. I'm feeling like this push for diversity is actually turning into pandering and not so much um, a push to just read good books. Like people, like, I'm so over these checklists of I'm going to read one book by a black woman who writes with her left hand while standing on her head. I'm going to read another book with an Asian person with a peg leg and an eye patch. Like, stop making these books like they're fucking special snowflakes when they're just books written about the human experience. I don't understand why you have to call out that you're fucking reading a book that has a Middle Eastern protagonist. Congratulations, the person's still human. Like, you're just reading a good story. Yeah. But what does it say? Mm, Okay. What does it say about authors who are now writing to this, right? It's bullshit. It says that they're pandering. I feel like... (sighs) If you're writing a story, and this is, you know, my, it's not the world according to Tamika. So I know my, in my life, in my daily interactions, I might meet people from a diverse background, but I'm not hitting every, uh, <laughs> I'm not hitting every, every item on the checklist every day in my everyday life. My circle of friends, unfortunately, doesn't include someone from my uh from each you know marginalized group it, it just doesn't and so it's okay when do we how have we gotten to the point where now we feel like representation is more important than the story itself so if i write a book like i don't mind a book obviously i don't mind a book that doesn't have um black characters in it. If black characters aren't pertinent to the book, I didn't pick up that book for that reason. I know what I'm getting myself into when I, you know, read certain writers. Yep. Um, but when did like when did we start when did this kind of discussion about diversity and this kind of, hey guys, don't forget this, kind of turn into uh, changing, putting books on the air. Like, for instance, I read Emily Giffen books. I've read pretty much every book she's ever that she's written, except for this last one. Um, and her cast of characters in every book is white. She writes good books. I like them, and it has, uh, for the most part, I like them. And and it never has really bothered me that she doesn't put black people in her books or she doesn't have Hispanic people in her books because I can believe in a group of friends of, <laughs> in New York that maybe don't include any black people. I get that. I understand that. I would be not upset, but disappointed if she strayed away from writing what she knows in order to appeal to people like the woman you're talking about who need to check off her boxes. Like, yeah. you know, and I think that this, I think we lost our way a little bit. Like, it's yes, we want to see more books about different types of people, but I don't need you. Everybody doesn't have to be represented everywhere. If the author is a white woman, semi-wealthy from Atlanta, who lived in New York from a time, and she wants to write a book about white women in Atlanta, then that's what the book is. If that's not what you're looking for, go find something else. And I think the point of the diversity 
whole diversity movement was that there is something else to read, not that everybody got to show up in the in every book. In every book, that's the thing. Like, and it feel it really reads inauthentic to me because I'm just like, okay, write your experience, right? And that's it. Like, I don't feel, I don't feel like you need to quote unquote have every like. Like I was just reading, I was reading a Twitter exchange and like two people were talking. One was black and one was um, East Indian. And um, they were talking about like characters in their books or whatever. And she's like, yeah, cause I have um, an Indo-Chinese Jamaican and da 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 da. And so um, I'm just like, okay, like that's great. Like, congratulations to you for, you know, writing all across the spectrum, but what is it accomplishing? What are we doing here? Like, what are we really getting to? Um, I don't, I don't see the point if it rings inauthentic. Mm, I, I rather, I wish that we could step back from this, but you know what, this isn't, this is, a, I don't know that this is everywhere. Like, I know the internet is big, and I know the book internet is big. Um, I know all of that. And I just, but when I am talking to people, you know, who read in their everyday life, this is just not a thing. You know what I mean? Like, people yep. are aware of books um, that are by other races. Like, I have a friend at work that she's white, and she reads, you know, pretty much the same type of books that I read. And we, you know, I've recommended, she'd never heard of uh, Juno Diaz. I mean, she's seen, I mean, you know, who hasn't seen the cover for, like, Brief Wonders Life? But um, I recommended a few of his books, and she's like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely check those out, because she just likes good books, you know? And that's kind of what I hope to get. That's what I was thinking that this was all about, where it and was more like... That's what it should be. It should be a more organic experience. It shouldn't be like, Oh, hey, white lady, I see you don't read black books. Let me give you like, no, it should be more about like, hey, guys, this book is dope as fuck. Let me share it with you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like the protagonist is, you know, a black woman in her 40s. Yeah. And we have black, we have, uh, you know, a lot of African students or, you know, students who come over you know, from different countries in Africa, and I was like, you know what a really good book about that experience is, Americana, by, you know, Chimamanda, oh yeah, I've seen that on Kindle a couple times, yeah, you should check it out, that's kind of like, and I just, I, when we, when I say we need more, we need more, uh, we need diverse books, I feel like I would just like more books by people who are Niger. I want more Nigerian people writing their story as opposed to more Nigerians writing story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, you know, I mean, it does matter to me, um, the content of the book and who is in it. Like, I, 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 I can see where people are saying that it's not so much, because you don't, I don't, ever, I don't necessarily want to read a book about um, American Indian people written by a white woman who doesn't really know that community. And we've discussed that before, but I think that the stories being told are always going to be the most important thing. If a white person writes a book by, about black folks and they nail it, kudos I'm more interested in the story than I am the face of the, the person who wrote it any yeah. day any day prime example of that is Jonathan Odell's The Healing mm-hmm. white man why does he want to be but he wrote about um, a black woman who was a, a healer excellent book excellent excellent book came mm-hmm. out around the same time as The Help I believe but there was no shit pie in it so (laughs) it didn't get all the props that it deserved 
Um, but I take I take no offense to a white man white writing a story about black characters because he did the work. Mm. Like I d- just let it be authentic and do the work. Don't insert people in and give me caricatures and scare stereotypes and tell me you know, hey, got black people in it, you should be happy to read it. Like just, no, or just the passive mention of you know so and so is gay (laughs) but that doesn't really drive the story or it's not presented organically like I mean just like if you're having a dinner party and John bought his partner then that's fine to say if you're mentioning who came with who Mm -hmm. but you don't need to jump in my face and tell me that you hey look I got gay people in my book because you're not I mean that's not even you know genuine fleshed out representation that's just (laughs) When we say that people need to see themselves in their book, we don't mean uh, open the door for y'all. We mean, <laughs> right. Like we want stories told, and so the story always trumps everything else for me. Um, but again, a lot of these people are writing these things not for black folks, or the you know they're writing them for white people. Right. So, and another thing. Okay, this is seriously the last part. Um, can we stop calling black authors authors of color and just call them black authors? Yes. I'm so sick of this of color shit. Um, It really, 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 really super bothers me because all colors are not created equal. Um, Certain minority groups are uh, closer to whiteness and they get way more of, um, I don't want to say like, uh, no, I do want to say like an appreciation or approval rating um, that is much higher on the Q scale than blacks. So let's not even play the game um, and say, you know, oh, of color Japanese woman is the same as of color Indian woman is the same as of color black woman, because it's not. Show ain't is showing. Um, we talk about model minority and that whole, and not to say that each minority group doesn't have their own set of problems, but like I just, like we all have our own set of problems, so it's okay to say black. <laughs> and it's okay it really say. is. It and really it is. Kind of, kind of lumps us all together as white and other. And also, also, I just really want, and this is more of that internet thing and me just seeing a lot of shit in like insular communities in which I'm involved. But I'm super tired of seeing black people fight harder for other minorities than they do for their own goddamn people. Um, How do you mean, Jeanette? <laughs> <laughs> just, I. Like I, I don't I don't I hate um I hate call out culture so I'm not even gonna be like super specific and please don't ask me via I am email whatever to oh girl who was you talking about but there's you just like me. I'm just kidding I'm sorry <laughs> there is like um it's just there's this one woman that I see in particular mm-hmm. and she's always um promote or always speaking about how we need to promote um authors of color more um Mm -hmm. and then in her promotion i see way more books that are not exactly black as she is Mm -hmm. so and and when i say black i mean like literally like written by black people i don't care about what degree of blackness you hold um, cause that's not a thing. Uh, that's another thing that I really want to talk about too, but I've already ranted for too long. Um, but there are varying degrees of blackness and you shouldn't let nobody tell you how black you are 
or whether or not your black experience is authentic enough for you to put into a book and the black people that you talk about may talk this way or act this way. Can't nobody tell you that these black people ain't black because you said they black. But anyway, yeah. um, but I'm just like, you know, stop, you know, stop promoting other minority groups when your people are out here flailing about. Like, my God, like, I don't understand. Like, when I was reading that, um, the romance article and this one was saying, oh, you know, I invited these authors and I'm going to read more diversely. I'm going to pick up more um, books by authors of color. And I didn't see my girl Christina on there, which I'm sorry. Huh. I, listen, Christina's out here writing circles about around 83% of these motherfuckers out here publishing books, like real talk. Um, just the other day, she had made it to like number two in the Kindle ebook section, not the African American section, but the Kindle ebook section. And not, um, man, not a lit person, book person on my timeline or the better than the movie timeline mentioned it. And it's like there is a black woman, black girls of magic, hashtag black, 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 black girls or rock, whatever. Not nan person on my timeline. Like, I need to pull up the stats because, um, mention. I need to pull up the stats because uh, somebody posted it uh, in the Facebook group that she has. And I was like, come on, you better slay. Yes, and sis. it's just um, going back to the freaking canyon between what we preach and talk about and what we actually deliver on. And it's just, okay. Yeah, so she made it to, oh, I'm sorry, I misspoke. She made it to top 10 in the, um, Kindle ebook section, yeah. uh, top three or top two, sorry, in the African American uh, fiction and romance sections, I believe. And then like 176, oh, wait, I'm sorry. Nope. It was a higher, like 160 something overall in the Kindle store. Yeah. Which is insane when you Which think about what's in the Kindle insane store. Insane when you think about the sheer number of books. And then like, I just, I follow a lot of people um, that are in her genre and I see them talking about certain authors and I see them bigging up people. And then I go read these books by these people and I'm like, what the fuck? Like Christina is dusting these people. And like what, me, what are we, what are we, what is even happening right now? Let me now? tell you what's happening because Christine, authors like Christina, but Christina specifically and Christina, I know you're listening and we don't mean to like put you on front street, but Christina is making her own books and publishing her own books and designing her own books and not giving a damn about the white gaze. And the people that are getting all of the accolades, oh, you're on this and you're published here and these people these people congratulated you. It's kind of like white people acknowledged what you're doing. Now you, you know, you know what I mean? It's like if you don't have white people's pat on the back, if you're not writing for white folks, if white folks aren't inviting you places to talk and do, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't seem to matter as much as it doesn't seem to matter as much to you. Like you, like you have somebody like Christina who, when you talk about you know things like black girl or mag black girls are magic and black people creating their own and um, and just kind of busting through all of these walls, you would think that all these blacktivists. <laughs> she's the fucking poster child for that right now. <laughs> But she's not getting accolades by white publications, and she's not getting acknowledged by white writers who are big, and she's not getting that, so she's not getting that praise on the timeline. That's why I'm always like, if you follow my personal account, I will always call out when folks look funny in the light, because you say one thing, but it's happening over here, but it's too black 
to be recognized by white folks, and so it doesn't matter. And I don't respect that shit. I'll never respect that shit. And it's not just Christina, but it's just in general. When I see that you've taken your message away from us, you ain't even talking to us no more when you are busy educating and seeking the praise of white folks and making sure that they hear you. That's the thing. We want to be heard. You want to make sure you're heard by white folks because we already hear you. Mm -hmm. We already are behind you. We've been with you. We've been riding with you. But you, you go do that, and we'll be over here being authentic and doing what we've said we were going to do from jump. Like, happy birthday to us. <laughs> That's how we feel in this. this <laughs> it really is. Like, I in this past year, I just grown. <laughs> this, we didn't go way off topic. We probably been talking about this for way too long. Um, but this is our shit, so we can do what we want. But um, this is supposed to be our, you know, our anniversary show. But this is just some stuff that's really been weighing heavily on my heart. And I just want to talk about it too, because I know you can understand, and I'm pretty sure that some of the people that listen to us can understand too. Um, it's just really disheartening, uh, mm-hmm. especially as a black woman who wants to one day perhaps write something that will be received. Like it's almost to the point, like, am I shouting this to the void? Because if I'm not writing for that white acceptance, then what am I doing? But then. Listen, uh, we can scale it back to even we can bring it back to our own podcast. Everybody talks about what they want to see and what they want to hear and what what's what and what's and I'm like, come on, we're we have never ever ever centered our conversation around anything but blackness. We might talk about white writers and we might talk about white quote unquote white books, but it is always centered around the people who this show is created for. And we have never deviated from that. And I just don't understand why we don't get the listeners that other podcasts get that don't talk about black books unless black people are paying them to talk. I mean, those publishers are paying them to talk about those books, but I won't go too far into that. I mean, we ain't gonna burn no bridges, (laughs) but I'm just saying. So, no, it's valid. That's a real life thing. That's a super real life thing. It's valid. We are giving people what they said they wanted or what they've they've been talking about. And all the praise that we do get is, yes, this is my tribe. These are my people. This is what I've been wanting to hear. This is, y'all are speaking to me. And that's never going to change. But it's just interesting. It's funny to me when I see people give shouts out to other publications, other people that are doing what we're doing who ain't thinking about them unless they're paying them. But that's okay. Right. Real funny to your girl. Funny to your girl. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, you know, I feel a little bit better than now that's off my chest. You know how we do. Alright. Um, so, shall we? This is a celebratory occasion. We are. (laughs) Right on to the next can I take a break? I need to take a break. Yeah, it's fine. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash better than the movie. Over 150 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's www.audibletrial.com slash better than the movie. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Let's get into this anniversary. You guys were one. I can't Yay. believe we've been doing this for a whole year. Because I certainly thought we was going to drop out about episode 10. Yeah, I had us pegged to at least get to the summer and then shit get real. But <laughs> The podcast is a lot of fun for us. I think um, we have, we, you know, 
chat throughout the day anyway, but then this is kind of like organized chatting. But it's fun to us. I like it. Like, I I think I've said from the beginning, if ain't nobody listening but us, it's still a lot of fun to do. So, um, but we know that there are lots more people listening than us, and we appreciate all y'all. All right. So what do we want to do? Yeah, so we wanted to talk about, give you guys our top three episodes. Yes. Okay, so our top three better than the movie episodes. <laughs> Each, just in case we. <laughs> so this is episode. This will be episode forty. So we have forty to choose from. And would you like to go next first? <laughs> um. Yeah. Sure. I'd like to go first <laughs> because you put me on the spot. So um, I my first one I'm gonna choose. I really liked was I think it was episode 14 yep 14 with the homie Sarah uh when we were talking about um King's speeches and then we talked about uh some of the Harlem Rand poets and Citizen oh yeah okay yeah um I thought that was a really meaty show and I thought that um, there were some ideas expressed within uh, that really resonated with a lot of people. Um, we got a lot of good feedback on it. And whenever we have Sister Sarah on the show, um, she comes in with um, a unique perspective that I think really adds something to what we got brewing here. So, Yeah. And I think that was a really brave one because I don't know that any of us are huge poetry people and we just kind of went for it. So I agree. But then it's oh God. Okay, so I'm totally winging it in case you can't tell because I like <laughs> lots of our episodes. Um, I'm going to go all the way back to episode four, um, which was the FOH, Fiction Out of the Hood <laughs> section. Um, episode, not section. Um, and this is the one where we talked about um, the genre of urban fiction, or as people call it, street lit, a.k.a. Lit, and we talked about um, not just our kind of thoughts about the genre, um, but also we kind of explored, shouted out, kind of did a "Where Are They Now?" with some authors that were pretty um, popping in the '90s, <laughs> um, and so that was kind of fun to do. It was actually kind of fun to kind of look up people and see where they were and what they were writing. And, and it was kind of like a trip down memory lane, but also very funny um, to talk about some of the um, the books in the hood lit drama genre. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, that was one of mine. Um, my next one is kind of a cop out because we did two of these type shows, but I like the books on books on books. Yeah. Um, because in, in each episode, I got at least three books that I'd never read or heard of before from you mm-hmm. um, and added them to my TBR list and read them. I was like, where the hell have I been? Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of cool. And, and, and again, it's another one that the audience um, kind of gets into. I love when we get tweets from people and they're like, oh, I'm going to play along and, you know, give you all my suggestions for X, Y, and Z categories. So yeah, that's my second one. Books on books on books, which is episode fifteen. Okay. And my second one is one that actually I we just got a tweet about this episode maybe a week ago, so it kind of resonated About with a week ago. Week ago. Um, it was episode three, diversity or nah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and this one is the one where we gave a tribute to, you know, good old borders. We talked about um, the, diver the We Need Diverse Books movement um, and kind of gave our own thoughts behind um, um, whether or not a movement was necessary uh, when you're talking about us. Like, when you're talking about white people, maybe it was cool, we don't know, but when you're talking about us, do we need this? No, we decided we did not need their hashtag or their <laughs> movement because uh, we've been on. So, um, but that one seemed to resonate with a lot of people. Um, like I said, someone uh, tweeted us about, they were talking about diversity and they um, referenced that episode where we talked about that. I like that episode a lot. That's when that's, you know, when we got serious, it got real on Better Than the Movie for the first time, but not the last <laughs> time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that was one of my top three. So um, I'm going to cheat on this last one. Mm -hmm. This actually is one of my favorite episodes. We ain't even done with it yet. <laughs> I know, but let me tell you why. Okay. Because I feel like we've settled into this now. I feel mm -hmm. like in the beginning, we were kind of fumbling around. We didn't know in what direction we wanted to travel. We weren't 100% sure about just segments and putting things together. Um, and we kind of, you know, tiptoed um, into things and we didn't really bust through the wall. But I feel like um, at this point, 40 shows in, we are super uh, confident in our place in the marketplace and we are unafraid to speak our minds. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's something that we should be super proud of and um, celebrate, despite this show not being done yet. All right. The fact that we've evolved so far in such a short amount of time, I think is something worth celebrating. All right, all. Shout out to Black Excellence. By Black <laughs> Excellence, we mean us. Us. <laughs> um, I have a tie for number three. Okay. So she did I cheat? <laughs> um, episode 33, uh, the list of recommendations with uh, Val. Yes. I thought that that was a really great episode. Um, if um, not just because Val is so eloquent and a pleasure to have on the show, but that she um, kind of uh, introduced me to a new type of book. I realized I had not read a lot of those kind of like historical fiction books that were mm -hmm. centered around women. Um, and so she um, definitely opened up my, um, broadened my horizons, literary, literary, literally, literally, <laughs> book-wise. <laughs> so, and so that was one of my favorites. And we got a lot of great feedback about that show. And then... Um, really quickly, I'm just going to jump right in. You want to know one of my favorite things about um, that show in particular? That? that I felt like she was very um, careful and cognizant of the choices that she made to share with us. Yeah. And I felt like she took a lot of time uh, to craft her list. And I felt like she... You know, she brought her A game. Like, yeah. you know, you could have asked people. We can't. We we want more people actually to come on and you know do the same sorts of things or whatever. So, but she knocked it out the park to so the point where don't nobody want to come on the show and do it. 
But I'm just like, why you gotta be so dope, Val? I mean, yes, I appreciate your dopeness, but now you just scared the other people down when you want to come on and give us no suggestions. Yeah. But I appreciated that though. I really appreciated the, the gusto that she came, like the gusto that she came with. I love yeah. it. And you know, just to piggyback on that, it goes back to what we were talking about before, because a lot of people could have she could have just slapped something together and went on about her business, but she took the same care that I think that she would have taken if she was going on freaking NPR books or something. You know what I mean? Like yep. she she uh, brought it and we appreciate that shout out to Val my other one was the one about Eric Jerome Dickey for no other reason than that fine soca <laughs> <laughs> that amazing song um, about Eric Jerome Dickey but um, well I liked it because it was our first one and it was the first one we did that was author centered and it was the first um, it had just like a nice familiarity to it and I think that kind of set the tone for what type of show uh, we were going to be and who we were addressing because Eric Jerome Dickey is <laughs> I don't know what he thinks he is but he is a blackity black black author <laughs> and blackity black black people read his books and um, I think we set the tone for what better than the movie was go is going to be um, with that uh, first episode plus we recorded that no it was a Chimamanda one that we recorded like a year before we <laughs> we started, yeah. <laughs> Which actually is a fine episode, if I do say so myself. We were a little rusty, but it was, um, people like that one as well. I think that one was one of our more popular ones to date, um, when I look at our analytics. Anyway, um, three things I've learned about reading the industry. I learned... But it is okay. So we want to talk about three things that we've learned about reading, literature, the industry this year. I would say that I have learned that it is difficult as a black woman to make your space in this kind of book media mm -hmm. land. Um, as you guys know, uh, never mind. That's it. Period. <laughs> um, Full stop. I've also learned that um, I like romance books. Hello? Yes. Welcome to the dark side, don't <laughs> I learned that I like romance books, and I learned I learned that um, the things that I liked about books like Eric Drum Dickey can be found in romance today. I just have to give books a chance. Um, and I have also learned that um, there are some fine, fine, fine writers of color. Uh, <laughs> And I mean, non-black writers of color. Um, I had not before this year read a lot of books by Asian writers. And mm -hmm. when I say, and I'll even break it down further, it's Indian and Middle Eastern writers. I had not read as much by them. And I kind of read quite a bit uh, this year. And so um, I that is a um, region that I will be revisiting, literary, literally. <laughs> Bookwise. <laughs> Your turn. Uh, okay, so three things I've learned this year. Um, the first is that um, I read more diversely than I thought I did. I didn't realize it until like um, when I started my book club and I started, you know, throwing out suggestions for people to read and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, I guess I kind of do read widely. It, it wasn't something that's a conscious thing uh, always on my brain. So whatever. Um, the second thing that I learned uh, is that I learned to let go of my indie author bias. 
Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, because I used to have a thing, and I think it's because um, the books that were recommended to me that were quote unquote indie um, were generally um, published by people who didn't seek counsel of an editor. And so reading that type of indie stuff just mm-hmm. turned me off of the genre in general. Um, and so uh, in getting to know Christina and reading her works and having her recommend the works of um, other indie author- authors, geez, I can't talk today, kind of broadened my spectrum and made me uh, not brand them with the scarlet eye, so to speak. Okay. <laughs> uh, and the last thing that I learned is that I guess I know a little bit about this reading and literature shit. You do. Like, you know, I've always been a reader throughout my entire life. Um, My parents will tell you, oh, she started reading at three years old. And I don't think I told y'all the story about how I got in trouble for for forging book reports (laughs) as a kid. (laughs) You did. (laughs) I did, okay. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like, I've always been super into reading literature or whatever, but I never have felt like I had a space to really talk about that a lot. So this podcast has given me that platform and it's helped me realize that, okay, you know, you might know a little something. So amen. 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 What do we want to accomplish? Are we talking about like, you know, personally or like, I mean, like, so there was no um, caveat on this. I was just, I, I really, uh, I flew by the seat of my pants on crafting the show doc. So, okay. no worries. I'm going to talk about. I don't talk about personally because I don't feel like anybody cares. So, <laughs> oh, I'm talking about personally and book podcast wise. Okay. okay, my personal goals are boring. So <laughs> I will talk about uh, the book podcast. I would like to have more authors on the show. Um, I think that, that the, the times that we've had authors come on and talk about their work have been a lot of fun. Um, I'd like to improve my own interviewing skills as well as my, you know, just regular talking skills because I make a, you can make a nice blooper reel of the things that I've said and mispronounced and, you know, didn't think through on this show. Um, and I would like to um, go to more book-related events so that we can bring that um that news those happenings to you guys to the people to the folk that's it okay so um one thing that i want to do is build um better and deeper relationships with some publishing houses it's really difficult though because a lot of times you get the runaround or the rigmarole um with the bigger houses so if anybody knows somebody that knows somebody else mm. please let a couple of sisters know um <laughs> put put us on their radar put them on ours um however you want to do it i'm not above shameless begging i've just did it <laughs> um mm-hmm. uh, another thing that i want to accomplish for this show is just growth Uh, I just want to get us out there more. I want more eyes on what we're doing. Um, I'd love to build with other content creators that are trying to do the same sorts of things that we're trying to do. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't see many out there. Uh, So again, if y'all know anybody that's kind of doing the same thing that we're doing, that's up for collabs or anything like that, please don't hesitate to pass that good info. So better than the movie at gmail.com. And then the third thing that I hope to accomplish this year 
uh, is to, and this is my personal thing that I said I was going to talk about, uh, is to finally complete and publish a work of art. <laughs> okay. Or, so, I have two things that I'm working on currently. And I think, I think one you've read some of. Okay. Um, but I know the second you haven't, because I literally started writing it like maybe two months before the end of the year and only sent it to two people because um, it wasn't that long and I didn't know where I was going with it. But nevertheless, but it's, it's, I've been talking a good game for way too long. And on Christmas, my daddy was like, so when are you going to stop bullshitting and publish a book? And I was like, oh, okay, well, uh-huh, that's what we at with it. All right, pops. So <laughs> he didn't say it in those words. He said it way more nicely because my daddy has more tact than his daughter. But um, that was the sentiment behind it. So uh, in order to make my daddy proud, I am going to try to finish a work and publish it before end of year 2016. So and for their motivation. Y'all let Jesus walk with me. <laughs> Hope Jesus walks with me. <laughs> it's awesome. I'm excited. I am, um, I've got the writing bug myself, but I'm not even going to talk about it just yet because I, it's like <laughs> super complicated. So, um, we'll talk about that maybe next episode. We don't, we talk about our writing ever so often and so maybe we'll dedicate a section to some of that in a yes. future episode. Um, so what are you reading? No transitions. Damn that. Okay. So I'm not reading anything as usual. What's the um, last thing that I'm really trying to think of the last thing I read. Oh, it was a it was an indie romance that mm-hmm. Christina recommended to me. It was called Afterwards mm-hmm. or Afterwords. I just said the same word. It sounded like the same word, but spelled differently. Either W-A-R-D-S or W-O-R-D-S. I can't remember um, because the author did a little bit of back and forth with it in the book. And so I couldn't remember the title. Um, but it was about, um, it was a continuation. It had to be um, of like a saga of like a group of friends. Mm-hmm. Because I felt like when I was coming into the book, it can be read as a standalone, but it gave me like, I probably should have read the two or three books that came before it. So I knew the people, mm-hmm. but it was essentially about this woman um, who's freshly divorced and she winds up getting involved with uh, this guy who's a mutual friend of her friends and they have all this drama ups and downs, blah, 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 whatever. Um, it was pretty good. It went on for a little too long. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm finding that uh, when I do read romance, I really want it to be 200 pages or less. Um, and when I open up that good Kindle app and it's like, it'll take you three hours and 15 minutes to read this because it's two, 397 pages. I'm like, well, it's not going to take me three hours and 15 minutes, but still it's going to take me too much time that I don't want to give up. <laughs> so, uh, and, and normally when I, when I get into my romance reading zone, it's just cause I want to blank out. Like, I just want a quick reset on life because somebody drop kicked me through the goalposts of it um so uh so yeah that's what i read afterwards words by uh nia forster is the author i don't think i said that at first what are you reading buddy all right you're not gonna believe this but i am reading um two books ha i'm never reading two books um i am rereading actually i'm i am rereading broken monsters which um 
is a book that I think I did a giveaway for, but nobody won because nobody participates in our giveaways. <laughs> no. um, but this book is by Lauren Bukas, Bukas? and it's basically uh, like a crime thriller horror joint, you know, mm -hmm. um, and it is about um, a killer in Detroit, I believe, um, and this person is doing some really cool no, I'm sorry, I don't mean cool. I mean crazy things to the bodies, like like fusing a boy's torso with a deer's legs type of thing. I like oh, something like that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and so this it's just a story of a detective, um and you know, she's trying to figure out who did this, and then her daughter is off to the side like chatting with crazy people online, which you know, I'm not so <laughs> um and then, like, it's, it centers around, like, a journalist that wants to tell this story, and it kind of all goes together. So um, I'm reading that because it's kind of a long, rereading that is because it's kind of along the you know, lines of what I am working on, um, and I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm just trying to absorb as much as I can. I'm also reading, and I just started this today, this will be kind of like my, you know, downtime book, uh, 1776 by David McCullough. Um, it is a history book. Uh, David McCullough is a historian, a Pulitzer Prize winning historian. And I picked this up because I put Hamilton down because it was 800 pages long and I didn't want to read it. But this is kind of a story about the drama and the things that were happening in the colonies around the revolution. Um, it is not something that I sought out, but it spoke to me because uh, one of the professors who I work with had it on the shelf. He was like, you can read it if you want. He didn't even know he had it up there. Oh, wow. So <laughs> I just picked it up and said, I'm going to start it. I started it. And so it has great reviews and hopefully I will not be bored. I don't think I will be. So that is it. I have a question. Yeah. Uh, random. Uh -huh. uh, do you reread books often? No. Okay. No, I used to, but I, I just don't have the patience for it anymore. Like, I've read, like, Little Earthquake by yeah. Jennifer Wan. I've read that book easily seven times. But that's, like, before I actually had children, so... <laughs> Word. I get it. Yeah, so... Anyway, thank you all for joining us for our anniversary episode. We hope you enjoyed it. I think you were right. This episode kind of encompassed what we do. Um, so there was a listicle. There was, <laughs> there was a list, a top list. There was a race-related rant. There was, a, <laughs> there was a lot of my nonsense talk. There was, what are you reading? Everything is there. All of it. All right. So All right. we'll see y'all in two weeks. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs>